0: FM yeah definitely one of those conversations if you want to buy a house i'm sure you've had there the conversation i'm really really inspired good evening welcome to Rise FM in 60 minutes on tonight's show like every past tuesday we've been doing i'm joined by our good friends from the national treasury Uh, They're going to help us understand and even simplify the processes of doing business with government this evening. And uh, tonight is no different because uh, Ms. Rahari Mozzetto, she is definitely my guest this evening. Uh, She is also the Chief Director in Stakeholder and Client Management there at the National Treasury. We're going to look at a various number of issues this evening. And they are definitely procurement uh, methods that we have left out last week and this evening. We're going to touch on them and then we'll definitely con. Converse a bit further. If you have any questions or comments, I invite you to do so. Number 072 85 0702. Number 1- Twitter at RiseFM943. Good evening. This is RiseFM FM in 60 minutes with Musas Kosana. As promised my guest joins me now on the line mr khadi very good evening to you i'm so excited to be speaking to you yet again
1: thank you so much for having me again
0: Mm, you know we've been simplifying our chats particularly in just processes of doing business with government you know for the past couple Mm -hmm. of weeks i mean we've touched on a number of issues or even topics you know but i'd like us to recap maybe you know as we recap Mm -hmm. And i will also like us to cover some of those procurement methods that we might have left out last week. A few of them, mm-hmm. will definitely be unpacking them a bit later on in the show. But, you know, since we have left out a very a number of items there, you know, let's somewhat recap mm-hmm. into what we've dealt with last week and look at some of the outliers there. You know, last week we dealt, I suppose we dealt with, uh, you know, the deviation. You know, kindly remind mm-hmm. us there, you know, going to take in a deviation when it mm-hmm. comes to just procuring or just even doing business with
1: government. Okay, thank you so much. Um, on the deviations last week, um, it, it is a method that we, we apply, especially under emergency, as you would notice now um, during the state, uh, the national disaster, we, we usually um, adopt what we call deviations, mm-hmm. but what needs to happen is that when you adopt deviation as a method of procurement you need to make sure that um, internal processes like your approval by your accounting officers and the CFO possibly um, are done before you even uh, go out to procure mm-hmm. so it, it gives the institution a quick turnaround time so you cut the process short Uh, to make sure that you are responsive to the emergency Mm -hmm. that the, the, the province is facing. You don't have to advertise for 21 days and expect people to come and drop in their proposals, especially where they don't even have houses, they've lost a lot of things, the roads are not as drivable. So you, you do. You try and do it in a quicker turnaround time, but you still have to comply uh, with constitution as well to make sure that the process is going to be as fair as possible, mm. and then um, competitive, um, so that everybody who can provide you with the service can respond in time. So you don't have to go to one supplier unless that supplier is a sole and um, sole provider of that service. Mm. Um, they will give you what we call um, a letter to make sure, to confirm that they are the original equipment manufacturer and possibly if there is a company that has been appointed maybe in in Pumalanga to be the distributor, then they will have that data from the OEM to say, like, this is the only distributor in Pumalanga who can give you this service or this commodity that we have manufactured. So Mm -hmm. you need to put those processes in place to make sure that you still comply. And when it comes to an audit, you don't have a negative finding as well. Mm.
0: But also last week we touched on the panel of service providers.
1: Yes. The panel of service providers, especially now, It will come in very handy if if they did have a panel of service providers, like um, for maintenance, maybe you have buildings that will require um, a lot of maintenance. What you will do, you will advertise for those services, Mm -hmm. and then you take them through an evaluation process through all the committees. But you don't know what you put them on the planet because you don't know um, the scale of work that they will have to be called to do at that time so when you get that emergency maybe you want them to come and fix the best pipe yeah. you have to peek on that panel and say look we have a best pipe we need a turnaround time of, of these days or maybe 24 hours and they must come and, and view the damage and then give you um, the quotations and then you can you can work from there yeah. but the panel is just have people you can go to as soon as possible as you need them but they still need to be reflected as well on, on on the csd because on on the panel you put them based on their competencies you have really assessed their competencies they qualify you can use them but you still have to evaluate them on the last phases of price and then have them adjudicated as well before you you award mm-hmm. them I'm the work that they need to do
0: yeah but also last week you know Quite an interesting, you know, concepts I've heard you share that one of uh, limited beating or even closed beating.
1: Yes, the closed beating or limited beading um, is closed or limited Let's use the word limited. Yeah. Uh, simply meaning that you have a limited number of suppliers that you can use. You just go and, and check with the regulating body how many um, cell phone uh, service providers do we have in the country that can give you a full service if you want to use them for government. Mm-hmm. Then they will tell you it's NTN, it's Audacom, uh, it's is it's um, cell C, mm-hmm. and then I'm not sure. So you will only. Um, send the RSQ to, to those ones because those are the only ones that are going to respond. Otherwise, you can advertise it just to make sure there's transparency and for everybody, um, all the taxpayers, to know that we have advertised this is what we are seeking to buy or procure as I government. But if at all, you, are, you, have, you can still approach them and you can still advertise it just for transparency. So we call it a close bidding because you know that the companies that are going mm. to respond um, for that particular service. But if you advertise and get a new one, uh, you, you still have to allow them in because it's, an, it's a competitive speeding skill. Mm. So it's when you know the suppliers that are going to respond and they are not as many, then you can, you can use a low speeding or limited bidding method.
0: Mm. Now that we have touched on what we have shared last week, let's look at some of the outcasts of those or or, or even procurement methods that we've left last week you know still on the procurement methods you know last week we left out unsolicited uh, bid or proposals um
1: last week we left the rfq sure um because i said it it touches on the skin as well um and i said uh, for us to to choose a particular method of procurement Mm. we are guided by the thresholds in terms of monetary value um, in the municipalities, it's, it's uh, for is between um, one rand until uh, two hundred thousand, and for PFMA complying uh, institutions like the national departments and provinces, as well as state-owned entities, mm. it will be between um, two two hundred thousand as well until one million rand. So suppliers shouldn't be as much, but they still need to um, be careful when they receive the the request for quotations because we have. Increase the threshold to 1 million, 1 million rands now, meaning that they might get a request for quotations to the value of 1 million rent. So, what happens is with this particular, that's when you see a lot of, um, um, fake scams that are coming through yeah. um, using the RSQ method because with the tender, once you advertise a fake tender, people are going to know about it. Um, the department that uh, has been put on the letterhead is going to respond to that. So they hardly use the open and competitive network to you to, to scam people. Mm-hmm. They just go for the quick ones where it comes into your email and then and then you respond to that. So it is important that they know these thresholds. Um also with the RFQs, within the institutions they still have to apply um, the principles of the constitution as well to make sure that the process is fair to all the suppliers that have been invited from the CSD as well. And then um, it is competitive. And then um, they need to follow all the processes and the policies um, that they have internally in terms of who's who's supposed to evaluate what they have is. and then part of it to make sure that the criteria um, that has been or maybe the specification that are sent out all the suppliers who responded were evaluated against that specific specification and nothing else. Mm-hmm. So when, for, for in terms of the scams when it comes to, to the RFQs, um, it is important that suppliers need to understand these particular thresholds because in the municipalities, it's 200,000 downwards. It's difficult to change it through an instruction note because it's in the act, which is the, in the PfME, whereas... Um, In in the PFMA, it's not prescribed in the X, it is prescribed through the instructional, so it is easier to change. So when responding to to the RFQs, it is important that you make sure that it is something that you have registered for on the CSD Mm -hmm. and you're familiar with the commodity on the industry, just to make sure that we don't provide you with a photo because most of the RFQs that are fake, they come with photos, they come with branding. And they tell you that it be this brand, this is the photo, this mm-hmm. is where you're supposed to go and source it and deliver it to this particular um, department or um, SOE. So they need to understand these thresholds so that they don't fall foul um, for, for these fake RFQs. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, still on that topic of RFQs, you know, yeah. is it then now the right time that you and I should start talking about, you know, a request for information, the RFIs?
1: Yes. Um, the RFIs they fall under what we call competitive bits because we, the competitive bits is those that we advertise publicly. You know, they fall within the outside the threshold of ten thousand um, and above mm. you advertise one million and one hundred uh, you advertise and so those are competitive bits. They will go out on on, on, on publicly. We advertise them either on, on the e-tender bulletin, on the tender bulletin or on the e tender portal. But the benefit with the e tender portal is that we upload even the documents that you need to fill. You don't have to go um, to the institution to collect the documents. You can just download them yourself and print them, and then you will go and drop them off. So with a competitive state, what is more important is that The closing time is very important when you're dealing with competitive space. If they say they're closing at 12, please make sure you're there at 12 because at 12 (laughs) they're taking away the tender box. Mm. It's not 12 overseas, it's 12 here. We call it 12, Telecom 12, Telecom time. Mm. If it's 12, make sure that your submission or your proposal is in the box by 12 because Mm. once they close, they will take it through. You can Mm. come in. And then when they open the tent, you can you can be present just to for them to read out all the suppliers who have made it on time. And also, there's something that is called um, the briefing session.
0: Sure.
1: If the process is new to you as a supplier, usually, or maybe it's too technical, what institutions will do, they will make the briefing session mandatory uh. just to make sure that suppliers know what is expected from them so that they, when they put their proposals together, they respond to exactly what the institution is re- is asking for. So if it's mandatory, please make sure you attend and you sign and the attendance register as well. And also, even if it's not mandatory and you are new to the environment, you can go to, to, to the briefing session. That's where you get an opportunity to ask questions in terms of the criteria that you have seen already yeah. on the on, on the tender documents. Just for clarification, when you say this, what do you mean? And then... It will help you um, better prepare your proposal when you, before you submit to mm-hmm. to to the institution. Yes. So under the the RFI, because we have to advertise it as well, it falls under that category. Although we don't use it to award, we're just saying requesting information from the suppliers. Maybe we entering into a different industry or sector that we are not familiar with. Um, what we do. We, we issue what we call a request for information so that the industry can respond and say, look, this is how you package this particular commodity or service. But so we don't end up, when we when we do our specifications, putting the, the requirements way too stringent that we exclude most of the suppliers, and then you end up with one supplier who can give you that particular requirement. So it helps us a lot because... Once you get that feedback from different suppliers or role players in that industry, then you can map out your specifications accordingly, knowing very well that okay for the work that I want these uh, supplier potential suppliers to do doesn't require um, a particular certification. They can still do it because at this level it's not that risky. However, if it's bigger, then these are the, the, the requirements in terms of the certification, quality control that they need to, to put in place. Then you know that when you put your specification together, those are the things, the requirements that you're going to put with that specification. So you don't award using that particular um, process. You're just requesting information just to make sure that your specifications when you issue a tender there would be um, that amount of suppliers who can respond mm. um, to, to to your tether. And also just to get the new development as well within that industry to make sure that we, we tend to improve what we are procuring as well. Mm. You know,
0: Sister Khadi, the, you know, the sample that we've had here in the province of Pumalanga where service providers are alleging the fact that, you know, even post the the closure of a certain maybe tender process maybe let's talk of the tender um, you know the 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 box itself even mm. post that twelve o'clock that is set other, mm. other you know other service providers are still able to submit their bids I mean is mm. that I mean even is is that even accepted within the processes of of,
1: no. of our treasury works now that is irregular to to include somebody who came um, after the closing date. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like when when you you up, you, up, you advertise a position and you say the closing date is Friday, and after closing date you don't take anything else, you know, because you have to go and record everything that you receive. That is why we encourage suppliers to be present when that tender box is open because sure. they have to read aloud all the suppliers whose uh, proposals come from that particular box, right? Mm-hmm. So many that suppliers can make note at least that okay in this box we are 14. These are the companies that I'm competing against. Mm. If it all happens um, that they realise that um, they have awarded to somebody who was not even whose name was not read during the process, then right. that that is irregular. That can be reported um, to 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 the provincial treasury. As well as, as the Auditor General for that process mm. to be halted before we in-care cost as
0: you Just join into the conversation this evening. My guest is uh, Mr. Rahadi Moteto, the stakeholder and Uh, Client Management Chief Director in the National Treasury. She's helping us understand the processes of government that are now simplified. And uh, she's sharing, you know, some of the lookouts. in, 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 If you want to do business with government and if you are already and you're wondering why certain things haven't been going your way. And uh, she's definitely sharing now that, uh, you know, there are things called requests for information. And... uh, you know, definitely an eye-opener if you are in the business. But uh, Sister Rahari, I'd like us to talk about the transversal contracts. What are those? And, uh, you know, what are they... uh, I suppose, what purpose are they serving?
1: The transversal contract is is another method of of procurement that is competitive. It has to be advertised for a minimum of of 21 days, as you say. So what what happens is that we, we, we issue... Um, letters or or maybe requests to to organs of state um, that are using, for instance, uniforms to say, look, um, as the Treasury, we can put together a transnational contract, but all the institutions like your health, correctional services, your police, um, your your military, because they are using uniforms, your shoes, then we pull them together and say, look, um, Come together, let's look at your specification so that um, you issue one tender for, for government, um, then they will procure from that one. It, it, it's a sort of a collective buying to make sure that government um, gets the, those benefits in terms of discounts because if the volumes are bigger then it's easier for us to negotiate um, the discounts. We have a lot of commodities and and the transversal contracts. We have your your uniforms, we have cars, uh, we have medical equipment as well. Um, your masks are there, there's a lot of them. Your condoms are there, uh, <laughs> your body bags, your, yeah. uh, your, your 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 biohazard bags. So um, you'll have um, what you call transversal contracts for mm. health equipment, health um, medicines, your your ARVs, and then you'll have uniforms, you'll have cars. So that uh, as government, we don't issue multiple um, uh, tenders for one commodity and then we are charged different prices. So what happens is that because it uses what we call um, bid committees, then those departments, they're going to form uh, the bid specification committee. They bring their specifications for the cars. The police will say we are what we're looking for for Toyota Hiluxes of this functionality, this capacity, petrol consumption. Uh, maybe motor plan if at all it is built in, um, and also we have to have um, a transversal contract for tires as well. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have another um, department that will come. In our case, we don't want complex cars. We just want cars that are just. Small that will help us for our employees. If they have to travel to meetings, they can use those. So they will take all those specifications and then put together one specification with different streams of cars mm-hmm. that they want um, as the whole government. And then they will advertise that they will get the distributors to to participate as well as the manufacturers. But the specifications will be the same. And once that is done. The second group will come from those departments to come and form the, what we call the evaluation committee that we'll talk to um, later on. They will evaluate the process. They will award for different, and let's say they will award the tender for cars for sure. different categories of cars, so that if any institution is looking for a bantam bike, they can go to the transfer and procure it from there um using the discounted rate for government. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of commodities that you find under transversal contracts and most of them, those are the ones that are very complex because if you look at the the, the scams that we are seeing, most of them, those items are already on, on the transversal contract. Mm-hmm. So suppliers can participate in those um but the, the the commodities are very complex. They require a lot of testing, a lot of compliance so they can explore that as well. If they are into manufacturing or distribution of complex commodities, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, that one is clear now. Let me see if this one is also clear. You know what's the, you know what's the difference between the request for proposal and the request for quotation? Um,
1: the proposal is is, is a tender. Okay. You, you bring up proposals. the competitive bid. Yeah. Uh, the quotation is a quotation. that Give us a quotation on this. Okay. And then you give us a quotation is below 1000000 then mm. The request for proposal is what we call a tender. It's tender to tender. <laughs> and that is advertised. Oh. This okay. <laughs> is to do that, uh, it's called a 10 request for proposals. Um, what we do, we advertise it for a minimum of twenty-one days, yeah. and then we you find it on the on the um, tender bulletin, your newspapers, as well as the e tenders portal. Right. So it will be out for twenty-one days. Um, some institutions, because the process might be complex, they will advertise for over twenty-one days. But if you want to advertise for less than days, already it falls into what we call a deviation. So you have to get the approval because you're deviating from the normal process. Mm. So what happens with with the RFPs, we call them the RFPs request for proposals. That's why we advertise for Days. So any supplier who is on the CSD they have a choice to participate in this particular process. We don't have to select them from the CSD. We say, look, it's open for everybody. If you think you have um, the capacity to deliver on this thing, just submit your proposal. You're going to be evaluated on this particular criteria. Through it, it will be handled by what we call the bid committee structure. So, for 21 days, you have this. And that is why I said in the beginning, I think, in the first two. It is important for suppliers to follow through in terms of the information that they get from the and the sofa, so that they know um, whether this information is going to translate into into this RFPs at some point, and also the information will be reflected on on the um, procurement plans before they translate into um, any any of these uh, competitive bids, like your RFPs, uh, your deviations, your transfer contracts. Then. It helps them to be ready um, in terms of your compliance, your certificate. Is well, I've seen on the, on the, on the um, procurement plan that they are going to advertise for these services in the second quarter of the financial year. Mm-hmm. What do I need to put in place? I must go and get my certificate. If I'm in construction, I must go to, to labor and get the co certificate. If it's a product that needs to be tested, I have to go to Sanas and get the testing results. So that when this tender comes out I have those certificates ready, um, then I can I can respond to the tender. Mm. If
0: you just join into the conversation on Rise of in sixty minutes the burning conversation is that one we're having with the chief director. Of the National treasury, Ms Rachadi Mozeto, on simplifying the processes of doing business with government and she 's my guest this evening we 'll take this reader and I invite you to uh, dial in the number zero seven two double eight five double seven zero two or zero one three seven five seven double zero nine six in case you 'd like to probe in or ask any question around you know the simplification of the processes of the uh, I suppose of doing business with government If you have done business with government before And you've encountered challenges Ms. Rahari is here, she's from the National Treasury She's going to help you understand and also guide you Through as to which are some of the steps That you need to take for you to be Able to have that uh, You know, query resolved And you're on Rise firm in 60 Minutes When we return, we'll definitely take your voice notes On 7285702 five double seven zero two. You're listening to Rise FM Tying the opinions into a single narrative. Rather than in 60 Minutes with Mutas Kosana. Just joined us. It has just gone a minute after eight. You'll rise from in sixty minutes. My guest is Ms. Rachadi Moteto. She is the Chief Director in the National Treasury. We are talking around simplification of the uh, of the processes of doing business with government. And tonight we're looking also into various number of um, issues, issues such as subcontracting, and you know the preferential well the preferential regulations, and also localization. Ms. Rahadi I've touched on them. Let's get into them, I suppose. You know, I've always been curious as to when we talk of the preferential regulations, you know, I understand that in 2017, that's when they became, you know, effect or, or, or maybe that's when, you know, they were enacted in 2017. But, you know, talk us through then you know when such uh, was enacted were there provisions in the constitution that allowed the targeted previously disadvantaged individuals to be to be accommodated okay. in this front yeah
1: um, Yes um, if, if I think it's chapter 13 of the Constitution um, general finance matters um, if you go to, to section 217 of, of the Constitution, Um, You will find that um, section 2 of the constitution talks to um, the preference that we need to to give to categories of of people, of persons that were previously disadvantaged on the basis of race um, as well as as, as, uh, gender and and disability. So if if you look at those, those sections, that's what um, together with with um, uh, section three of two two and seven um, it it gives effect to um, the triple PFA Act of two thousand where it outlines exactly uh, what is it that we're talking about when you're talking about preference, mm. meaning that we have to consider the RDP goals as well. Um, when we determine uh, which groups we we are going to or, or or the empowerment goals that we want to factor in when, when we empower the previously discriminated against groups. So because we 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 trade or transact with companies, then those companies have to be owned by those categories of, of people. So um in twenty seventeen what we did, uh we we we, we reviewed or or revamped the, the regulations that we had from 2011 and then we brought in the elements of pre-qualification um, as well as, as, as um, what is the other one I forget so once once you have that oh, subcontracting is well. Mm. so we had a long list of, of, of criteria that you can use um to 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 give effect to section two and of the constitution, mm-hmm. as well as the special PFA. However, in twenty eighteen, um, when we were taken to court because of the prequalification criteria as well as the subcontracting element of it, mm-hmm. um, then the ruling of sixteen February came into being. However, excuse me, irrespective of of the. Uh, ruling of, of, of 16 February this year, we still have the triple Act that still says or prescribes that we need to, to give effect to Section 217 mm. of the Constitution, right? Now, um, if at all, because we don't have the thresholds in, in the, in prescribed through the regulations, um, they're, still, they're still under consideration in terms of public uh, comments. We have given the, the, um, through the act itself, the institution were given an an option of of applying for exemption to the minister. So if the minister exempts you from the act, then you have to use your own internal policy to give effect to the constitution itself, Mm -hmm. so that you don't drop the constitutional requirement to go and empower um, categories or give preference. Mm. two categories of, of these um, people and their businesses. But the challenge that we have, in, we, we tend to have this confusion in terms of the use of concepts. You have people saying, no, you give preference. Some say, no, you don't support transformation. But if you go to, to the dictionary, you'll realize that these are two different concepts, mm. right? And mm. if you go through the ad, the element of transformation is not there. Mm. But if you go to um, the FMA and the MFMA, you will find transformational requirements in, 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 in the two acts. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not like if you issue the regulations as they were issued, then you are not supportive of of transformation. Mm-hmm. However, um the thing is we have to comply with, with with the constitution because the Constitutional Court never said that the regulations were irregular or unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. They only said that they shouldn't have been issued to that um, extend by the Minister of Finance because the PFA on, on Section 2 uh, to 1, they give that function of chewing policies on preference mm-hmm. to the audience of State. Then we included in the regulation. So that was the contest that it shouldn't have been in the regulations, it was supposed to be sitting mm-hmm. um, with the policy of those organs of state. So we still have the constitution. Um we are not
0: dropping the ball in terms of <laughs> yeah. Maybe on that front still on 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 maybe the previously disadvantaged individuals, are there mechanisms of, you know, how one could deal with businesses or even owners who are fronting for other racial groups?
1: It's um <laughs> it it it's something that has to be um monitored by the DTIC, the Triple B E Commission. Yeah. Um it it should be within within their the, the domain because the act and the and, and the policy is, is their policy. Mm. Uh, our policies is the three policies. Um, the PFMA, the, the MSMA, as well as the triple PFA, yeah. and the constitution is for everybody. We have to comply with it. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to 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 the triple B fronting transformation, it's it's the domain of the DTI sure. together with the triple B, and it will be far will be reaching in terms of scope mm-hmm. if we have to, you know, prescribe as to how they should deal with it.
0: Sure, you know, let's talk about then localizations or even buying local. You know, when we talk of buying local you know the sometimes there seems to be a sense that you know officials particularly those operating in municipalities they ring fans you know the 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 specifications per municipality or even a province can you talk us through there what is then the correct narrative when we say a treasury is, is 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 looking into localization or even buying local it is still not
1: in, in, our, in our in in the act that that we, we, we mandate or we be responsible for. Sure. Um, if if those are in, in, in what we call R D P um goals. If you look at the RDP it will tell you uh, how do you deal with with a local economic um, empowerment or or economic generation within within that, that that particular municipality or area, but the one thing is that um, you need to strike a balance when you do certain things because you do, you don't want to discriminate against South Africans. because we are all um, governed by the constitution and within the constitution, if you look at the Bill of rights, mm-hmm. people have every right to trade and transact wherever they want to transact. Yeah. so if you are going to reinforce and, and discriminate, against other people outside those boundaries of that municipality. Then it's going to be a little bit tricky for for those in that particular municipality next time when there's a tender in another municipality Mm. or in another province for them to participate because those ones are going to say, no, uh, you kept your tenders for your people, So we are doing it for our people as well. So it tends to bring those boundaries of discrimination again um, into the procurement space. Mm. So that's that's what um, we need to be mindful of um, so that we don't go against the Constitution and we violate other people's rights and say, you can't transact in that municipality because tomorrow you move, you move to that municipality, you buy a house there. And then you come from another municipality. Does it mean where you moved from, you can't go back and transport them? <laughs> so then to be very, very careful uh, with the specifications, just to make sure that they don't violate people's rights mm-hmm. and change of freedom of speech.
0: When we talk then of subcontracting, you know, normally there's, you know, there's 30% stipulated there that, you know, you're subcontracting, Thirty percent, or I don't know. I mean, You know, talk us through there. Is it worth of work or money in the pocket that that thirty percent?
1: They are, are no longer applicable um the 2017 regulations. Yeah, they, they have rendered invalid. So it didn't add value for us to talk about the subcontracting because those were in the 2017 regulations and mm. they have fallen away um, as a result of of that constitutional court ruling. So. Um, it will be fruitless for us to talk about the twenty seventeen regulations um, where we can't apply them anymore.
0: Sure, now I hear so, you. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Ten minutes after eight, if you want, <laughs> rise a firm in sixty minutes. You want to probe into the conversation I'm having with uh, Chief Director. That is, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Rahadi Moteto. She is my guest this evening. We're talking about simplifying the process of doing business with government. I invite you to send in your comments or questions, compliments. And, uh, yeah, if you'd like to compliment her as well, I'm sure she would definitely like to hear some of those from coming from the province of Bumalanga. The number to dial zero seven two double eight 72 885 seven zero two. You can hear her giggle there in the background, Bumalanga, I suppose. Uh, Mr. Rahadi, I believe we have a, a voice note and uh, I'm... I'm I'm going to try and get, uh, you know, our producer here to just confer it to you. Hey, Rise FM, as someone who's looking into getting into working with the government, I wanted to find out if it is advisable to subcontract. What exactly are the advantages of being a subcontractor or of subcontracting? Yeah, that seems to be uh, somewhat bothering there on that thing we're running away from. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, we we no longer we no longer have it uh, uh, prescribed it in, in our in our regulations mm. um, because it, it's one of the um, mandates that will fall under the, 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 the institutions if they want to use subcontracting sure. to to really make sure that that particular sector is transformed. They can do that. But we can prescribe it from our side through the regulations, which is um, something that um, suppliers need to understand, that the 2017 regulations are no longer applicable as of the 16th of February. That is why we issued the new ones in the um, public comments closed already. At at the moment, we are considering all the comments just to test them against the law um, to make sure that we don't find ourselves in court again. Mm-hmm. So the subcontracting element is the, the, the decision of the audience of state to use it or not to use it. Um, it's not something that we can prescribe to them.
0: 72 885 Let's take more of your reaction. Uh, good evening. Um, my question is, why do the transviral contracts for small items take time to be released? Because I do most of my work in the health sector. I am Dom and how things streaming live. Thank you, guys. Yeah, that's what uh, this one seems to be your neighbor there. Is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you see now they want to listen in Pumalanga and then you want to issue specifications and say we don't want people in Saudi. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, couldn't, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't hear the other part about about the first part about the the, the, sub, the contracting of, of commodities or something.
0: Yeah, I, I think she was touching on, you know, something we've touched on earlier. Let me, um, the transversal yeah. contracts, uh, yeah. I mean, she's talking about why is it taking too long to be released? I don't understand there, but I, I'm sure you'd be at a better position yeah. to, to to understand I, um, the question Yeah.
1: Remember, with, 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 uh, I did say that when we when, when choose a method of procurement, uh, you have to look at the administrative burden that you will have. Um, you you can choose to, to advertise um, what we call... Uh, so for items for stationery and put these suppliers with their items on, on a contract for four, for three, two to five years. So you don't have to advertise frequently for suppliers who who can supply you with paper. So the same with transversal contracts. Um we, we don't issue a contract for one year because it takes um a lot of administrative work to put together a contract. So what you do, you, you appoint suppliers for I mean, maybe a minimum of three years and then a minimum of five years and then they will be rendering that service for that period and then thereafter when the contract is about to last maybe in the last year, you start working then on the new um, um, proposals uh, your, your specifications and then you advertise a new new tender so that when this uh, old contracts uh, are then you have awarded a new uh, contract for a longer period. Mm. So they don't take longer um, it's says that they are and then they indicate that the, the contract will be for three years and then they will only advertise again um, after three years. Mm-hmm.
0: You're on Rise of 60 Minutes. Uh, we are also opening our lines, 13 96 If you'd like to also, uh, you know, converse with uh, Osis Rahari, she is my guest this evening from the National Treasury. On 072-885-7702 is our WhatsApp line. You're more than welcome to also send in your comments. Let's take more of your reactions.
1: Musa, so I hear that you and your guests are talking about processes, but we all know that, you know, the allocation process of tenders is kind of corrupt in a way because there's already people who are guaranteed those tenders. So what is the National Treasury doing to ins- to ensure that there's no corruption in the allocation processes of tenders? um, I think it's a bit unfair to say we all know maybe she knows yeah. um not everybody knows, and if you know <laughs> that there is corruption, there are there are processes yeah. um that you need to follow to report that that particular um corruption. Mm. The thing is um, I think when we talk we're going to to be talking about the big process and and and, and it's important that sure. as a supplier you don't you don't um work on assumption um, mm. because within within public procurement you have to have facts. Spec- you cannot work on assumption because you failed. At a particular process, uh, the tender was not awarded to you, and then you start making allegations of corruption. So it's unfair to, to, to those who are putting in effort in the process to make sure that um, they meet the requirements and then they they, they really uh, push too hard to make sure that when they are awarded, they do the work as they should. So to say that we all know it's really, really unbased, um, it, it's not fair to those who do the hard work to really get the tenders um, or go through the process in a fair manner.
0: Let's take more uh, of the voice note before maybe we jump on to another part of the conversation.
1: Uh, 072-885-7702. Hi, Musa. Um, so I have a question. Why does the DTI want you to submit the SBD-6 form?
0: Okay. The ladies have come on too heavy this evening. Uh, Zakhari?
1: I <laughs> um, remember it, it, it's the DTI in terms of, of, of their local content. They need to monitor whether the 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 how much are we are we importing um, um, uh, from, from other countries? How much are we manufacturing? Because one of the requirements that we need to to push us through, through um, uh, transformation is to make sure that we don't procure most of our um, commodities externally or from overseas. We manufacture them here. Yeah. But it's something that was raised in terms of the commodities that don't require um, those those SBD forms. And and that's something that we are reviewing at the moment to make sure that we separate, we we differentiate the different um, um, SBD forms as to where are they going to be applicable. If it's something that needs to be manufactured, then it will be applicable there. If it's something that doesn't have, Manufacturing element shouldn't be applied there. If it's the industry that requires a lot of transformation and to make sure that uh, we we really capacitate it, then it will have a different packaging of of, of SBD forms, not that they should be applying across the board. And unfortunately, it's their process. We, We don't have control over it. Um, But now, with the new regulations, we are looking at the SBD forms as well in terms of whether they need to be part of certain commodities that Mm. we are procuring or not. So a lot of um, um, uh, requirements are going to change or the documents are going to change as a result of this this particular um, constitutional court ruling. Mm. So we have to look at our SBD forms as well.
0: Uh, gents, I invite you as well to come on this evening. I mean, uh, we've had a lot of the ladies ask us this evening on zero seven two double eight five double seven zero. So I'd like to hear from the gents. Yeah. You know, is it easy to do business with government, particularly in the province or even in other states uh, or in 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 the nation's uh, you know departments that you you know transact with? Is it easy? What are some of the contentious issues there that you constantly find, and you'd uh, I suppose need Cisra Khari to, you know, help you on them? 072 is the number. Double eight five double seven zero two. Sisrahari, you know, earlier you mentioned you know, about you know the speed committees. You know, I understand that they've okay. been put together, and you know, what is their role in the public procurement? Let's start with maybe the. Okay, before before
1: we get to, to the, the committees, let yeah. me just touch on what we call unsolicited bids. Okay, sure. um, Because we we have most majority of suppliers um, offering a particular solution to to the organs of state. We call it unsolicited, because we didn't ask for it. And and um, what happens in that in that space is that it, it has to do with distance and innovation most of the time. So what we say to suppliers, if at all you come up with an idea. Make sure that um, you protect it uh, through the Intellectual Properties Act and make sure you you have those copyrights, your trade secrets are protected. because Mm -hmm. You might think that this is an innovation for you. You are the first person to do it and bring it to government. And before we even accept it, we have to check. If this idea has not been offered somewhere else, if at all it has been registered by somebody else, we might as well just advertise it and see how many people have modified that solution um, for us to, to do it. If it, if at all we, we, we are interested in buying that solution. Otherwise, uh, we can decline um, and absolutely because it because we, we don't, it It don't serve us, because um, yeah. I remember in one one of the campaigns, another lady says I have developed a system for uh, cyber security and um, look but what, who's supposed to buy cyber security systems <laughs> in government and yeah. she didn't know um and and also is there, is she the only one who has developed it yeah. is there somebody who has registered this as a copyright or trace the test? We don't know. Because once we we advertise, you might find that somebody will raise a hand and say, You're advertising my copyright or something that I've trademarked already. So we don't want to find ourselves in that legal um, um, tussle. So it is important that with any innovation, they must just check whether they are the first one to do it and register it, and just to make sure that even they continue um, to to generate income from it and get benefits from it.
0: And, yeah you know, you know that one is very important because you know so, you know often yeah. you, often people you know go to you know various entities of government and then they pitch an idea then they wonder yeah. why sometimes you know c- c- you know certain projects get to be carried out without them because some of them have not even yeah. painted at the idea yeah
1: and if, if that is the case and you haven't uh, protected it and in terms of the, the intellectual property, you cannot come back and say, I came with this solution and, and you took it and used it. Mm. You don't own it. Huh. You don't own it. You shared it. We decided to use it the other way or two years later. Yeah. So you can't come back and claim it because right now uh, you have to make sure it is protected. <laughs> yeah. So with, with, uh, with a, with a bid committee, sure. um, when we advertise all the competitive um, bids, we, we take them through uh, what we call the, the the specification, like I said in the beginning, that will will make sure that they determine or structure what we want to buy in what form to make sure that if we say we're looking for a car, what kind of a car are we' looking for? Mm. how should it function? you know how are we going to make sure it functions the way we want it to how are we are we going to measure this? right? So the bid specification committee is going to detail the criteria. Um, that we're going to use to make sure we evaluate you against the specifications that we're going to advertise. It can be a project manager, if at all um, the, 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 the the tender is not complicated. Like in my case, I can just put together and say, look, this is what I want to see at the end. These are the experiences that I want, these are the certifications mm. that I'm looking for and all those kind of things. And then once it's done, um, together with, with with the supply chain managers, they will look at the policy requirements, such as your, your preferences, um, your briefing sessions, if they are required, they can include them, uh, your closing dates and times, and also what is mandatory. Uh, is it necessary to make it mandatory? Because if you make it too tight or too many, a lot of mandatory requirements, you might end up with the suppliers, um, who are less, maybe you have one and you can't proceed with one supplier and evaluate. So you have to make sure that when you put the specifications together, you don't make them exclusionary, um, to a point that certain suppliers cannot, cannot participate in. Right. And once that is advertised for 21 days and it closes, and we have um, the responses of the proposals from suppliers, yeah. you have a new committee um, that is the BID Evaluation Committee. Their work is just to evaluate the proposals that they have against the criteria that is in the um, specifications. If you say we need a company that has three to five years and for experience of three to five years, we giving you one point. That's how they should apply um, that, that that criteria and through the evaluation. Once they're done, they will tell you all, all their, 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 their um, points and check which of the suppliers have made the threshold that we have put forward. Maybe the threshold is 50% of the points and then make a recommendation based on the points of the thresholds, and then um, sorry, <clears throat> sorry, then SDM will calculate even the preference and then the price, and then the report will be put together um, in terms of this is the supplier that we are recommending, mm-hmm. looking at the criteria and what they have submitted. And then it goes to what we call the BID Adjudication Committee. It's a new team of, of, of committee members. What they do, they don't uh, give any points. They don't evaluate it all. What they do is to review the work that has been done by the Evaluation Committee to make sure that no supplier was unfairly treated in the process. If at all you have three suppliers with the same amount of experience and the points that they should be getting is one, then all of them, they get one or not? If at all the other one got two, then the BAC, the adjudication committee, can send back the, 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 the report and say, have a look at this evaluation again because there are so many discussions the discrepancies. Mm. So, the adjudication um, committee will look at those the fairness, the competitiveness, whether the calculations are okay, whether the regu- uh, the recommendations are okay, because when you evaluate, you have to make comments as, as the BID uh, evaluation member that I'm giving them two because of one, two, three, four. Sure. I'm giving them one because of one, two, three, four. Mm. So, once it's with the um, BID adjudication committee, they will look at your report. Uh, the the evaluation committee report, and then they will have to write their own report as well. So their own report is either it will go to the accounting officer recommending that they should make an award to this particular company. Mm -hmm. If at all, within the delegations of responsibilities through their policies, they have been given the powers to make the award. Then they will make the award, but they will still have to have that report as a backing mm-hmm. to motivate um, their decision. And once that is done, pardon, it will go to supply chain, and then it will go to, uh, we publish it again on the e-tenders in terms of what were the, the scores for this top three, maybe. We take the top three, we publish them, and say, look, these are the top three that meet the threshold, and this is the one that we have appointed. These were the points that were allocated to them. Mm-hmm. So you have those 15 kind of um, uh, committees that you have to check on each other's way. So if it gets to the BEC and they find it very, very difficult to evaluate the, the criteria that is there, chances are that the tender has to be cancelled because the criteria has been advertised already. You can't change it after you have advertised it. Mm-hmm. So if it's difficult to use the criteria as advertised by the BEC. The whole tender has to be cancelled because you cannot change the criteria and disadvantage other suppliers who have submitted
0: their tenders as well. Mm. Wow, Sister Akhadi, No, before we wrap up, you know, I'd like us to quickly recap. You know, um, remind us again. You know, why is it important for suppliers or even you know those who want to do business with government to look out for the sauna, the SOPA, you know, the tabling of the budget speech.
1: Um, essentially, government doing business with government is not an easy thing as everybody thinks. There's a lot of preparation that suppliers, it's not as easy as people would think. There's a lot of information that they need to consume, there's a lot of information that they need to interrogate because if they don't do that, their, their reaction to, to the tender is going to show. It's like preparing for your exams tonight. Yeah and you're writing tomorrow, um, you're going to mess it up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If at all you knew that you're going to write an exam because they gave you a timetable, in our case we have given you a procurement plan and then we have given you the in terms of the priorities that this is the industry that we're going to be working on, um, infrastructure and then we have to make sure that our SMEs are supported so those priorities already you have been told about Mm them if you don't pay attention to them it's like you're going to write an exam having studied the night before, and the exam is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So if they know what, which direction we're going in terms of our plans as government, they then can get their ducks in row, getting their certifications ready, making sure they decide which industry they're going to participate in, because you cannot decide this morning or tomorrow that I'm going to be in, in the infrastructure industry, and you don't even have it through what the CIDB grading has to do with what. Mm. It's impossible. Mm. So we're doing this so that they need to understand that doing business with government is not an easy thing. You have to prepare yourself the same way those who are in and universities are preparing to make sure that the the day that they come, they are ready. So mm. that is why we are doing it.
0: Remind us again, you know, what sort of mistakes, you know, as the National Treasury, do you constantly encounter when you know suppliers are registering and changing their information on the csd
1: um the main one is the banking account um because if you use two different names of your company um when when the system starts verifying, it will have two different names Mm -hmm. it's like you have two different id um when you go to the bank they punch it in it doesn't bring out your name so it will reject it. Um, the second one is that when you punch in your, your information, especially on the banking side, sure. don't leave spaces in the between because the system will recognize that space as a character and read it as a character. And then you will say, the name is the same, but you, you left the spaces instead of using it as one word. Then it will reject it. And the other one is that after every updating or... Uh, changing of the information, you need to click your submit button, giving the system permission uh, to start verifying your information because if you don't, the information will lay there. It won't be verified, and the next thing, you come back, you have an RFQ, they tell you, but you're not compliant, your, your CSD hasn't kicked the boxes. only to find you didn't click the submit button. Mm. Give the system permission to start verifying your information with other institutions.
0: Sisra Khadi, you and I have had an amazing, amazing conversations. Uh, well, I suppose in in this month of April, and, you know, we have touched on a number of of, of issues, and I trust the province of Pumalanga okay. has had us, you know, while you and I were conversating, and, they, you know, they have fixed and or rectified, well, rectified their mistakes in the process while you and I were having the conversation, because, you know, It'll be really interesting to see some of you know the service providers here in the province, you know, yeah, you know, get to do business on the national front. I mean, like you said, there's no boundaries; it's one country after all. Yeah.
1: Yes, and thank you so much for even providing the podcast for the interviews. Yeah. So if they miss um, these interviews, they can go check the podcast and just to see um, what it is that they have missed, or otherwise, if they want information, they can go to the treasury website. Under the OCPO, we do have the information that they need um, in terms of what are the instructionals that are there now, um, what are we complying with um, um, at the moment, where are we in terms of the rules and the regulations. So, just to make sure they they, they keep up with the changes that are happening in the system. Mm. So, I hope um, they will give it a thought um, and put an effort into it. Yeah. That's the same way as those who are putting in effort and getting those tenders as mm,
0: well. Definitely. Sister Khadi, I really want to applaud you and thank you so much for having chosen us it's here in the great. province. Thank you
1: so much. And I hope you have a nice freedom
0: date, Yeah, definitely. Pumulanga, Chief Director there in Stakeholder and Client Management at the National Treasuries, uh, Ms. Rakhadi Moteto. Talking to us here on Rise FM in 60 Minutes. This conversation was definitely brought to you by the National Treasury. We have really appreciated having our good friends there from the National Treasury helping us, you know, around the simplifying the processes of doing business with government. And uh, that's it for tonight. I suppose for tonight. And uh, thank you so much for having lent us your ears. And definitely tomorrow we're not back again because it's a holiday. You, um, you know, just reflect at some of you know the heroes and the heroines that have uh, you know paid you know or, and and even paved the way for us to be here today just reflect on them and and see how then do you intend on playing a role in ensuring that the next generation looks at looks at your work and your contributions in this day and time as such of a struggle hero really appreciate having you on our program this evening good night